You're listening to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. I'm Josh Wise. Uh, today, I'm joined on the podcast by Kelly Kramer, who interned at IATP over the summer. Um, Kelly was uh, interning in our community food systems program, but recently had a blog on the site uh, entitled, Climate Change is Worsening Extreme Heat. Is OSHA Doing Enough to Protect Farm Workers? Um, as, as you may have guessed, the answer to that question is no, but Kelly is joining me here to talk about it. Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Josh. Um, so you, you start the, um, the blog um, with the story of a worker who died in the field um, and uh, tie that into a series of um, uh, heat-related deaths that have happened um, recently. Um, can you just first talk about um, uh, how prevalent um, worker uh, death and injury is um, related to heat in, in farming? Sure. Well, the true numbers aren't really known, but the statistics, the best statistics we have show about 37 deaths a year from heat-related illnesses, and the number of serious injuries is about three to 4,000 a year. Uh, those numbers are often underreported because they are self-reported and not a lot of employers uh, like to report their, their injuries. Uh, so they're, they're underreporting. Um, and, you know, I mean, farm workers in the United States historically have had less labor protections in general. Um, and I'm thinking about being excluded from, you know, organizing under the National Labor Relations Board. Um, but how are farm workers treated by OSHA? I mean, is it different from other workers? Well, for, farm workers fall under the general OSHA guidelines. Um, OSHA has uh, their main statute protects workers from hazardous environments. Um, and that protects all workers. Okay. So... So if OSHA is protecting farm workers, um, why is there uh, still a discrepancy between what they say they're doing and the, the number of heat-related deaths? So when we're talking about heat-related deaths, this often comes down to giving workers shade and water and rest breaks, especially when the temperatures get really high. Uh, but it doesn't really regulate the access to the shade and water. A company may provide shade and water, but that water might be a 10-minute walk away from employees, and they just don't have rest breaks long enough to go and get that water. So they're out in the sun, they're not getting water, and they're not getting time to really uh, give their body a chance to cool down to um, healthy levels. And so even, even with kind of the minimal breaks um, and, and these, you know, what OSHA says it's doing, um, these instances of heat-related death and injury um, are going to be exacerbated by climate change, right? So how does that kind of look now? And is there sort of any sort of prediction or model on what could be happening for agricultural workers? Sure. The IPCC just released a, a report last week that shows that the outlook for climate change is a little more dire than they had originally anticipated, and already we're seeing an increased incidence of major heat events in all parts of the country. So as we go forward, there are some models that predict major heat 
waves, uh, increasing almost sixfold in certain areas of the country. But they're definitely, uh, as far as the models go, they show an increase everywhere in major heat events. And um, I guess, I, I'm, you know, I'm wondering a lot of the, I mean, a big part of the agricultural workforce is um, migrant workers. Um, a lot of the workers are undocumented. Um, do you have any sense of how um, migration status is affecting um, their ability to report or their willingness to report? Um, you know, is, is um, the heat-related death and injury being, un you know, you said it's being underreported because it's voluntary, but it's like, is there like a sense of fear among workers about coming forward with some of these workplace conditions? Definitely. Fear among workers to report um, these conditions is a huge factor in what causes these conditions to be so prevalent. About 70% of the agricultural workforce is actually born in Mexico, and about 47% of the workforce is undocumented. So a lot, of the, a lot of these people are very reluctant to report injuries um, for fear of retaliation by their employer. Um, perhaps for the 22% that are worth authorized, work authorized, they might get their authorization revoked, they might not get their authorization the next season. Um, and even just for the general uh, population of workers, if you report an injury, you might not get to work the next day. And these workers really rely on these paychecks. Most of them, uh, the average wage for these workers is below poverty line. So missing even one day of work is really detrimental. So OSHA clearly should be doing more to act on behalf of uh, farm workers in terms of protecting their safety. Um, there are these guidelines that uh, exist within what's called the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health which is actually part of the Center for Disease Control. Um, but OSHA keeps rejecting those recommendations. Can you talk a bit about what those recommendations are, um, why OSHA is rejecting them? Yeah, the recommendations are, are pretty uh, common sense when you think about it. It's allowing people to drink water at liberty. Um, they recommend at least one pint per hour. Um, giving people reasonable access uh, to water and shade, so not a half mile away, but somewhere they can actually get to it when they need it. And they have recommendations for limiting people's exposure to the sun while they're working, and that includes um, a variable regimen of work and rest breaks in there. Uh, and those are based on not only the temperature, but the heat index and sometimes they'll factor in how much shade is around to calculate uh, how much rest people should be getting during their day. Um, OSHA is uh, reluctant to put these statutes into place because they do contend that their current worker protections are sufficient and that rest and water and shade are covered under keeping people free of a hazardous environment. But we saw that after California enacted their regulations in the mid 2000s, by the time those really got into full force by the teens, uh, like 2013 to 2017, we can see that in the United States, OSHA would generally issue about 28 heat-related citations a year. And 
California OSHA, just in California alone, was averaging a little under or a little over 1400 a year. So once you have those actual regulations in place, there are actually concrete things for inspectors to be looking for that they can act on. You know, we've done some work at IATP to really kind of analyze what individual states are doing on climate adaptation to agriculture. Um, and of course, in most cases, the states are out ahead of the federal government. Um, how does um, the regulations that, you know, might be introduced um, fit into what states are doing to uh, mitigate climate change or adapt to climate change? So you're right. Uh, states are ahead of the federal government, especially on this point, but they're not that much far ahead. We have only four jurisdictions that actually have heat regulations for their uh, uh, for their workers, and those are California, which only regulates outdoor workers, Minnesota, that only regulates indoor workers, and then there's Washington State and the U.S. military. So. The most comprehensive one relating to agriculture and adaptation for agricultural workers in climate change would have to be California's with their comprehensive list um, of recommendations that closely match the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health's recommendations for heat stress prevention. Um, are the, is there... Do you know, is there model legislation anywhere? Like, are, 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 are the advocacy groups trying to get other states to copy California? That is something I don't know. Okay. Um, this, it's really been a push for the national level rather than yeah. pushing state. Um, and it, it's... Most of the heat-related deaths do occur in the states you would expect them to. That would be California, Arizona, Georgia, Florida, the places that are really hot, Texas. Right. Um, and those are places where it might be a little harder to get right. regulation passed. So the yeah. national level is really where they're, these groups Got are it. focused and, and just lastly, I know there's some momentum to uh, put pressure on OSHA to enact those regulations. Um, just to close the podcast, uh, talk a bit about what's being done. Sure. I think the driving organizations behind this are Public Citizen, who drafted a petition for OSHA. It's very comprehensive, and I recommend reading that if you're interested. And they've had a lot of support from the United Farm Workers Foundation and Farm Worker Justice. And they really do a lot to go, uh, not only to bring this up to OSHA, but to bring increased awareness to the actual farm workers, often who don't speak English. So they'll, they bring this information to the farm workers in both English and Spanish um, to really make sure that farm workers know their rights and they're working at the top level with OSHA and NIOSH to um, get these statutes enacted to bring even more rights to these workers. Great. Well, Kelly, thanks a lot for joining me on the podcast today. Great to be here. You've been listening to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. For more on what you've heard today and to read Kelly's blog, you can visit our website at www.iatp.org. 
want to remind you that this podcast is available for download on Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever else you get your podcast. If you like what you heard, please give us a positive rating. Thanks for listening.